Hello and welcome to another edition of No Lights Paranormal Podcast, where again this week, unfortunately, two nerdy paranormal investigators talking about spooky stories from around the web. My name is Alex. I am the equipment setter upper and the Babiaga enthusiast. <laughs> My name is Teresa. I am the researcher historian. And of course, we're missing Joe, who is still out with some family issues, but he promises to see you all next week. All right. So fantastic. This week we have Oregon. Back to the stage we go after last week's campfire episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. News, announcements, etc. Well, news is that I'm working on another date for our third trip, which would be our, our second return trip back up to my budding favorite place in the world. So once once I set that up, of course, I'll let everybody know and we'll go from there. But Madison Seminary, if you've not been, I highly recommend you do not go in sub-zero weather. With that said, though, I do highly recommend that you go. Yeah, just not in the blizzard of a 24. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That say, it also appears that if we are coming to honest conclusions, unfortunately, my birthday trip will be put on hold till next year. It's yeah. it's it's a case of cost versus time off work versus that all kinds of that, that's the furthest one away too. So with with the the trip and the distance and the amount that it takes to actually get there and reserve the building and gas and time and food and lodging, et cetera, et cetera, we'd probably be looking at about twenty five hundred dollars. And I'm not sure if you're all familiar with the way that we actually do our research or not. Uh, we're not just podcasters, or or <laughs> should I say wannabe podcasters. We are actually a paranormal investigations team who started out and been doing this for over 25 years now. And when we go into residences and businesses, we don't charge they're very old school in that fashion. There's a lot of people who think, oh, well, you do it. You should make some money off it. Well, meh. I agree and disagree. I agree in some circumstances. I disagree in the, in the idea that when we go into a place, you know, you have a woman who's scared to be in her house by herself or you have children who are afraid to go to sleep in their own beds. I don't think we should get paid for for trying to help them out. Or putting their mind at me. Yeah, that's that's not... That's not what I do. Some people are afraid of it and some people aren't. And if I can help those people who are understand a little better or maybe help some of those spirits move on, that that to me is is well worth it. And I don't need paid for that. So, in fact, we don't charge. And in fact, more mm -hmm. often than not, we do pay. A lot. Mm -hmm. And if we were to charge, then I believe in charging for merch. And, you know, when I set up the Patreon eventually and we have a, a secondary podcast, Patreon subscriptions. Yeah. And if you each have like a monthly Patreon subscription for like two bucks, you know, we are making two bucks more than we did before. And we can actually afford to get some merch for you guys to support, which to me is freaking awesome. And we are kicking around ideas as far as a secondary podcast or Patreon go. Oh, and yeah. chances are that we will go ahead and we will release a, a test episode to see how you guys like it. See whether or not you feel like it's worth doing. Soon. So. We're getting there. We're getting there. But yeah, that's about all in that. No, no, there is one thing that I want to say, though, is 
It is not 100% confirmed yet. However, come the end of February, we are looking to have... Oh, hold on. So we should kind of talk about this in a, a roundabout fashion. Oh. So as our listeners know, last week, we did the first of our roundtable, our monthly roundtable discussions, okay. which didn't go as planned because we did talk to our supposed to be guests. Unfortunately, and- Ken couldn't make it. So he did, he did, you know, impart a little bit of, oops, sorry, my bad. Apparently he went home after work and he fell asleep. And so- you know what? Shit happens. Yeah, I work two cool. jobs, I so I understand falling asleep. Too. It's cool. No big it. deal. That said, we still love I, him and he's still going to come on the podcast. Right. So probably at this point at minimum March. Because February at, the point, at this point is currently place held. Yes. Am I not saying who it's place held? No, by? you can say it. I wanted to you know, talk about the round table and oh, see, just I, I just wanted to lead into it first. Got you. And you know what? If all else fails and we have to push that one to March because of that person's schedule, I'm cool with that too. Then we'll just flip and uh, do Ken first. So as yeah. you all know, we had Rob Demarest on the show and he was super awesome enough to go and do like our the way that we do things and read a story, which I absolutely loved. Rob's not a huge fan of like interviews anyway. They're traditional. They're boring. They ask the same questions to him 800,000 times. With that said, though. And to be fair, none of our roundtables do we want to end up like interviews. We just want to uh, like kind of topic and have a discussion and see where it goes. Yeah, I don't want to be like, hi, what's your sign? No, no. Well, it doesn't matter who you get, right? So... You can take any guest from any TV show and listen to any podcast, and they're probably asked the same 10 questions over and over and over. How boring is that? And you know what? You can listen to one podcast, and then you can listen to a podcast that did it six months prior, and it's probably the same podcast. Right. Just rinse, repeat. So we'd rather just have like one topic and let's talk about it. Let's, yeah. let's round table. Let's campfire bullshit. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. But yeah, so Ken Summers is definitely going to be one of either February or March's round table. We're not positive just yet. And then for the flip of that, we are having very special guests who we are very excited about, Cindy Kaza. If you don't know her, she is on the show Dead Files. She also works with Jack Osborne quite a bit. She's been on many, 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 many shows. She is an incredibly gifted psychic medium. So if you I'm, don't know her, I apologize for the bad pun, but you're dead to me. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she's amazing. And you you don't have to question, you know, did that chick just get my information out of, you know, a newspaper or some such shit? No, she's she's the real deal. She's legit. And it's it's scary how legit she is and i'm incredibly excited to talk to her i promise the listeners that i will make this podcast fun oh this this campfire discussion is going to be fun because if any of the listeners have paid attention to me like pre this like i'm not the biggest fan of psychics i'm just not he's not I'm super open-minded to it. I'm just not the biggest fan of psychics. Because but that's what real well, he doesn't believe them as far as he can throw them. Well, let's be honest. 
There's a well, lot of people in the paranormal world. Let's take psychics out of it. There's a lot of people in the paranormal world. You go on Facebook and any paranormal group in any given situation, and they're showing you pictures they took of this building with a giant smudge on the window. <laughs> and it's, I fear, and I got to thinking about this today, and I'm like, I, I fear that we've taken away all the websites to talk about the basics, right? Agreed. Like, do you even know what matrixing is? Yeah, let's explain matrixing. Your brain, the human brain, is programmed from birth, hardwired to find a human face in absolutely anything you look at. It's just science. So when you are looking at a picture that is pixelated or blurry or smudgy or foggy or someone's blowing cigarette smoke and you accidentally catch that in a photo, your brain is searching for a pattern that is similar to a human face. Well, it's not even a face. It's just human recognition, right? Like something that you can see that you know what Human, basically. So, yeah, that's just science and like so literally that doesn't mean there's a face in every smudge i I just i just i want to get to the point is i am not a debbie downer i'm not trying to be a debbie downer but if you were part of my team and you have ever sat here with me you would probably hate me oh yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, because sometimes i'm like oh my god that orb has really got a back glow to it that's fucking impressive and he's like it's a fucking orb throw it out and I'm like, don't care. Don't it can me. literally be 17 other things. I'm care. like, dude, it just stood up and said, hi, I'm an orb. And he's like, no, it didn't. No, you imagine that. Yep. Matricking, matricking and audio hallucinations. Oh. You're out. Yeah. So to be fair. My coffee cup is getting empty fast. And that is just upsetting. To be fair, all of you people that are, you know, posting pictures of window smudges on Facebook, I'm not picking on. I love your window smudges. Thank you for posting them. I'm glad that you are curious enough to ask questions. I'm not picking on you. And the reason I say that is trust me when I say that I am harder on my own evidence than anybody else ever will. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. And 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 it's not because we don't, you know, it, it's I know that the, there was a, a bit of a culture where folks, especially folks that were on TV, were being very, very pressured by networks to produce evidence, something that was shock value that they could put on television, have on an episode. And, you know, then there were certain the certain ones that started to have evidence on every single show. And it was just so incredibly unrealistic because as you've heard us talk. Sometimes you can sit in a building all night long. I'm talking six, seven, eight hours, and you come out of it absolutely empty-handed. The only thing you've gotten out of it is hopefully a good nap. So I'm going to give you like two examples, though, in, in which you can make up your own mind. Because listening to the little blurb that... Jason from Taps talked about the other day. Yeah, we we did listen to an episode of Jason Hall's podcast, and who was who was the gentleman who he was? I don't remember. A demolition. Beard up. Either way. Yeah. So, let me get to the point that I was getting at. So, I guess what I didn't understand is how they were catching so much evidence because. As anybody that's ever gone to a haunted place or even paid to go to a haunted place knows. There are lots of times where you go and you get nothing. Yeah. There are other times where you go and 80% of the night you get nothing. You know, 20% of the night might only be EVPs. 
And then every once in a while, you just get that 5% of the night where like, holy crap, this is what makes the whole thing worth it, right? And I guess originally, and this is what I'll say for me, is the difference between like Taps and somebody like, I'm just going to say Ghost Adventures, right? So with Taps, if you actually watched the show back in the day, they only played like a 12 episode season, like per year, like back then it was just per year. It wasn't like per like one in the spring, one in the summer, one in the fall. Right. It was like, oh, you know, like any, you know, TV show that you watch on TV, any series. Right. So it's one of those things where like you watch the 12 weeks and now you literally have to wait until next April for it to come back on TV. Yeah. And I guess what I didn't realize is during that year, they're still recording episodes. Yeah. So, so Jason, one thing that Jason Hawes said on his podcast during that was that, you know, they were literally out like recording after recording after recording. So sometimes they would present the network 30 episodes and the network picked maybe 15. So, I mean, he literally said they were out recording an episode every week. And yeah. to be fair, like back then, knowing how big Taps was and like, so, like, they had, like, the Tapas Family Network back then, right? Yeah. Like, I finally believe Dagger had played the O every week. Oh, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. And then, so, like, the problem is, the reason that makes me not trustworthy of a show like Ghost Adventures as much is, it's because every show that you see on that network mm-hmm. is Ghost Adventures now. And, like, as soon as one semblance of a series is over, they have another 10-episode series of something else. So, like, it it seems like they don't have enough time off to be just presenting, like, the 15% where they actually do catch something. Exactly. You know, I mean, if you record 50 episodes and out of 12 episodes, there's three or four really intense ones. Okay, I kind of believe that. Right. Exactly. No, I mean you're recording 52 episodes. I kind of, I, I kind of believe you're three or four episodes. If you're recording an episode every week and you're literally broadcasting like for you know nine months out of well, like when's your time off and when's the shit that you're not catching? Exactly. Either way. That's the end of that topic. We'll go ahead and get off of there. Look at it again. I apologize. I derail us. But yes, as you know, I'm not a super fan of psychics. It's not that I don't. I believe everybody has gifts, but just just the idea that there's more out there that are trying to take advantage of people than not is my qualm with it. You know what I mean? Right. I also just want to say hello to Sam and Colby. Those uh, two relatively new YouTubers. The YouTubers? Well, I mean, they're not relatively new. You're relatively new to them. I'm I'm old, and so to me, they're kids. So I want to say those those kids, Sam and Colby. Which so don't take that the wrong way. I'm just an old bitch. That's you know. It's true. Yeah. So hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> Love what you're doing. Keep it up. That's another curiosity, right? As far as like this weird stuff goes, like with networks and like these shows that maybe originally started, you know, the way Taps wanted to start, which is like, we we do this and this is what we do. Do you feel like it would have been different? Like if YouTube was a thing back then? You know what I mean? Like, so we have like Project Fear now that came from Destination Fear. I really like that show, right? Yeah. 
we have shows like Sammy Colby, eh? like YouTube for all intents and purposes, like you only put up what you put up. Mm-hmm. It's not a network that's in charge of it. So you know true. what I mean? So I, I got to wonder if, you know, if, if YouTube was a thing back when Taps started and then recorded 52 episodes, would they post 40 episodes on one? You know, we got to know, like, you know, we have a shit, sorry. <laughs> well, I, I got to be perfectly honest. I have been thinking for a long, long time about the idea of having a YouTube channel out of our actual live investigations and, and, and posting them, maybe not in their complete entirety, but sort of their abridged version, because obviously you don't want to sit with us for five hours looking at nothing. But I I have full intention of posting audio and video that we catch nothing. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? Because that's okay. It's okay to catch nothing. No, I absolutely agree. So here's the thing with me and the YouTube thing, right? Because I'm on board. Like, I want to do the YouTube thing, but also what we need to do is we need to have a one really good camcorder that's probably, like, going to be a $1,000 camcorder, one person to run it. By our large guy. To actually do, like the production part of it right yeah yeah. so the one thing that i hate about a lot of the channels that i see on youtube is it doesn't seem like i'm watching a tv show yeah right? it, it seems super clunky it seems not well edited yeah. like yeah like I, I just i want it to look more professional than most youtube channels well project fear does a great job sam and Clubby do a great job and there's a couple of other ones that do a great job but there's a lot of YouTube channels where, like, it just it looks like somebody just went to a haunted place and they carry around a camera. It looks like the Blair Witch Project, right? Yeah, which isn't a bad thing, but like, it, it has also, a place. It, it still looks like a Blair Witch Project. Yeah, it has it has its place. I understand what you're saying, right? But Oregon, but Oregon, we've taken so much time, and I'll be perfectly honest. The reason why we're just chitty chattying is because we don't have Joe here today for the third story. Yeah, we're oh, filling in the 15 minutes yeah, of Joe's sorry. time. That's what we're doing. I didn't really want to tell you guys all those things, though. So, yeah. Maybe we should wait until the end. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. But the beautiful state of Oregon, and it is, it is a beautiful state. Their coastline is top notch, one of the most beautiful in the world. I am a huge fan of like the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. 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 I'm just glad. You know me, like I'm, a, I'm super into nature. I'm a super like hiking type person, like and just like the Pacific Northwest is just absolutely fucking beautiful for me. It, it could be my stomping ground. I was, I want to say, sixteen or seventeen when I took a trip to the Northwest, and in three separate hotels, one in Seattle, one in Olympia, Washington, and then one in Portland. Uh, like the view of Mount Rainier from my hotel balcony, which just happened to point in a different direction on every hotel. So I could see Mount Rainier in the distance, mm-hmm. which is absolutely astonishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's just, that's my jam. So <laughs> I also want to point out my grandmother, my, she was actually my step grandmother, my dad's stepmom. Her maiden name was Hood. And she was actually part of Native American tribe that was from the area surrounding Portland. Mount uh, Hood. Mount Hood, exactly. So I I have some, uh, I don't know if you'd call them blood roots, but I have some family roots back in that area. So nevertheless, Oregon, what did you find, dear? I am going to talk about Flavel Mansion. Okay. Yeah. So this place is said to be 
beyond terrifying. Okay. So you're probably very aware that the state of Oregon has absolutely no shortage of hauntings. They say that the Flavel House in Astoria is one of the most haunted. Over the years, this mansion has played host to a number of eerie residents, both human and spectral. From hoarders to hatchets, this house has seen it all. And that's why it's known today as the most haunted house in Oregon. So I'll tell you just a little bit about it. Our story begins back in 1901 when this iconic home was first constructed for Captain George Conrad Flavel. At one point in time, the Flavel family was one of the most prominent families in Astoria due to their charity work and contributions to the community. Things took a turn for the worst after Captain's son, Harry Flavel, and his family inherited the house from his father. Neighbors in the area considered Harry to be, let's say, unbalanced. 1947, when Harry Sherman was 20, neighbors reported hearing screams coming from the home. Fearing the possibility of danger, the neighbor burst into the house where he found Harry's mother, Florence, screaming from inside a locked room. And Harry, armed with a hatchet, attacked him and cut his arm. This earned him the nickname of Hatchet Harry. At the trial, Florence, the mother, insisted that there had been no danger and claimed that the neighbor was drunk and that and Harry stated that he was only acting in self-defense because he was attacked by the neighbor. This caused the state to drop all charges on Harry. So nothing came from it. So this, however, would not be the only incident involving Harry. In 1983, he was walking one of his dogs around the neighborhood when a car belonging to a 20-year-old Alec Josephson sped past. Harry took his dog's chain and hit the car. This, of course, caused the owner to chase Harry down on foot, and Harry retaliated by violently stabbing him. Once again, he was charged with assault. This time, he ended up being sentenced to probation. After he lost, the family packed up, moved out of Astoria, and abandoned the mansion, and this was in the year 1990. So, relatively recent, considering the very long history of this home. Many people in the community claim that the decaying house, which sat abandoned for so long, sat abandoned because it was actually haunted. For decades, the derelict house remained empty. It eventually fell into such a state of disrepair that the county was able to go in and do some minor work on the property. Once inside the home, it was discovered that the Flavel family had been hoarding items for the past 100 years. Garbage and clutter were absolutely everywhere. In 2015, after decades of being abandoned, Greg Neuenhoff bought the Flavel House and he began the restoration process. Today, the Flavel House stands proudly in Astoria, but that doesn't mean that the ghost stories have gone away. And it has a big blurb about how you can visit. Very cool. It is often said that a king ought to have a perch from which to survey his kingdom. And for George Flavel, the original builder of the home, that perch was his picturesque hillside estate in Astoria, Oregon. The palatial Queen Anne-style home with a looming three-tower, three-story tower overlooking the river and an ornate cut perimeter fence separating it from the hustle and bustle of central Astoria. The Flavel Mansion certainly looks like a home befitting a king. It sits right on the Columbia River, 
So when Tugboat Captain George Flavel arrived in Oregon to receive his Marine piloting state license in December of 1851, he was one of the only Marine pilots to have access to a captain's license. This made him both a Renaissance seaman and a desirable commodity along seaside towns, hoping to capitalize on oceanic and interstate trade. But a few short months after his arrival in the Beaver State, his strong reputation was about to transform him into something of a local folk hero. So it goes on and it talks about a lot of very interesting things, such as the 52 souls that were lost on the SS General Warren. George Flavel was actually on that ship. They believe that he brought a lot of his friends' energies back to the mansion with him when he came home from that. The Flavel Mansion has honestly it's had ghost stories for centuries it's they hear sounds of pianos playing in the house they believe that that is because flavel had multiple daughters that were all very very gifted musicians so sounds of the piano sounds of a violin sounds of a church organ can be heard in this house pretty often nice there is a full-bodied apparition of who they believe to be george flavel himself there is a full-bodied apparition of a woman that they believe to has been his wife. Katie Flavel, who was one of the daughters, she is actually seen parting the curtains in what used to be her bedroom and then looking out like onto the lawn, onto the street below, which of course has changed a lot. There's no more horse and buggy anymore. Now she's looking at her hairs whizzing by. But yeah, she always preferred... The natural light. So the curtains were always open in her room. So no matter how many times the folks who are volunteers of the museum, no matter how many times they actually close those curtains up, they go in the next day and they're open every time. I would just give in. Yeah, just leave them open. She likes it. Leave her alone. Visitors who have taken photos in the bedroom sometimes report that they're tapped on the shoulder as if the spirit is requesting them to take further photos. Oh, I'm down. (laughs) <laughs> in the third floor tower, volunteers and visitors alike have reported an uninviting feeling. There's an uninviting feeling there similar to the library because the library and the home is the same way. And it almost feels like there's something sort of quietly ushering them to leave the space. So they just just plain don't feel comfortable there. So I did a little bit of extra digging. And I found some really interesting stories where this is actually stories of people who have visited the Flavel House. Okay. And there was one that I found super cute that I really wanted to read to you guys. So I don't have a name for this person, unfortunately. It's a person who is, they were on OregonHauntedHouses.com under the Flavel Mansion. And they wrote this looks like about two years ago and the person captioned it i talked shit and got hit (laughs) exactly so i wanted to read this one it says i went to the flavel house over the weekend it was my first time in astoria gorgeous house we watched the movie before taking the tour i was making some jokes about mrs flavel about how young she was when she got married and how particular she was about keeping the home We did the self-tour through the house, and in the kitchen, I was recording a video of my boyfriend at an old Victorian stove and noticed something on my camera screen. It was a little blurry spot on the film that wasn't there when I looked at him through the phone. I thought it might have been something on my camera lens, so I wiped it, but it was still there. 
I thought that was weird. And then a few minutes later, I bent down and my necklace broke and fell off onto the floor. I had never had an issue with this necklace before, but it broke as if someone had pulled on it and on the pendant and threw it to the ground. It was a bizarre experience, and I apologize to Miss Vagel for trash talking her in her home. Okay. So I guess she didn't really get hit, but that's okay. I think I have questions, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, so your necklace broke, and it broke as if somebody pulled. Did you feel somebody pull on your necklace? Yeah, did you feel the tug, or did it just break? Very cool, though. Uh, there's, there's actually quite a few really cool in the upper bedrooms i visited the home on september 9th of 2020 we were walking throughout the house it was it is completely intact all the original furniture the dishes the glassware musical instruments sitting next to the fireplace clothes hanging in the closets that were worn by the flavel family all of the belongings were in the house just as if they'd been there yesterday as we walked up the staircase to the upper hallway there were bedrooms on both sides. I stepped into the first bedroom on the left, which was a spacious room with a large bed up against the wall. As I stood in the middle of the room, I noticed the hairs on my arms standing on end, and I felt pressure on my body, as if someone had come up to me and pressed into me and wrapped their arms around me and was squeezing. The pressure was significant in my chest. I slowly walked across the room and stepped into the adjoining bedroom. The sensation left. When I turned around and walked back into the first bedroom, I could feel the same sensation again. I walked out into the hall, and again, it was gone. There was a woman downstairs who was greeting people and working in the home that day. I asked her about that room and whose it was. She said it was George Flavel's. She mentioned he died in that bedroom of pneumonia. When I returned home, I shared my story with my daughter, who had visited several years ago. It was very quiet, and... She was very quiet and asked me to show her pictures of the home. I did. She told me that she was in one of the upper bedrooms, one that belonged to a woman. She experienced persistent ringing in her ears. And as soon as she left the bedroom, the ringing completely disappeared. So just some stories of what other people have experienced. The story behind the ear ringing was, you know, because we got the pneumonia, which. Yeah. When she explains the pressure on the chest, right? I don't know about the ear ringing. I understand that you looked me up the story and the story probably didn't elaborate on it. It doesn't. Part, that's but... all it says. That's <laughs> all it says. But I just thought it was interesting to find some stories of other people's situations in the home. I do like looking up things where I can find those. Like, yeah. 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 The cool part is there's a lot of places that you can go that like have journals where you can like write down your own your experiences. experiences. Yeah. I dig it. I'm super into that. Uh, and a lot of people really just like, I mean, you see, you see a lot of things here on this little message board where a lot of people really believe that it's a whole lot of residual energy that's present. So, yeah, that's understandable. Crazy shit, like pressure in your head and neck, mild vertigo. Yeah, stuff. I love it. So, yeah, nice haunted little piece of history right there. Cool. So what's yours? So mine was actually inspired by a, a little place that we have right across town that ironically also happens to be haunted. <laughs> <laughs> so in my gathering and searches of haunted places in Oregon, I came across one that is named after a little place where we actually used to frequently eat. Mm-hmm. It used to be a little, it's a speakeasy in Norton. 
was was a speakeasy was an orphanage was a lot of things to be fair right yes and it carries all of that energy with it so i will tell you a little story imagine yourself as a traveler along a section of the applegate trail in the late 1800s you just arrived by stagecoach at what at that time was called the wolf creek tavern this is alongside after refuge from the not-so-comfortable portage over the mountains and across the valleys. And after paying 75 cents for a room, bath, meals, uh, you're ready to relax. You sit down to a good meal and some easy conversation with the innkeepers. Afterward, uh, the men settle off to a taft room for some quaffs of beer and the ladies adjourn to the parlor. <laughs> the conversation for the men drips from that of inspirational beauty to the frightful experiences they had on the trailer. On the trail, because us guys, we don't talk about that in front of the ladies. No. If we get nervous, you can't do signs. The ladies tend to be more nervous. It's, it's or Alex going all the way in the back. I, I don't want to do that anymore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that said, the rooms are no longer 75 cents, but the refuge here is still preserved in its original state. The, the what is now called the Wolf Creek Inn provides lodging and meals for the beer traveler. The inn was built around 1883 for Henry Smith, who was a local merchant entrepreneur. The Wolf Creek Tavern was exceptionally crafted by local sawyers, and it served local traffic to the mines and stagecoach travelers that moves along the Applegate Trail. It is... Actually, an interesting bit of history it is the oldestly operated hotel in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, that is pretty cool. So that being said, from the time that it was built somewhere around 1883, it has not stopped operation. It is actually still currently in operation. That's very cool. So it's the, long, the oldest continuously operated hotel with no like gaps in between. It is here that Jack London completed his novel, Valley of the Moon. It is... It was an important stop on a 16-year stagecoach journey from San Francisco to Portland. And if y'all don't know Jack London, read a book because he's fabulous. I mean, I think everybody would. It, it, it's White Fang, right? Jack London, White, White Fang. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know that book, I can't help you. And you probably didn't pass ninth grade English. So I highly recommend you read it. <laughs> <laughs> so the Wolf Creek, that the Wolf Creek Inn housed practically every important person found in the Northwest during the early history of Warrior. Back in the early days of movies, the inn became a refuge for beleaguered actors seeking an escape from the demanding Hollywood studios. Clark Gable was a good friend of the innkeeper in the 1930s and stopped by several times while fishing the Road River just a few miles west of the inn. Other, invis- other visitors that have signed the guest register include Carol Lombard, as well as Orson Welles. Ooh. John Wayne was another one. Lots of great uh, names. President, uh, which president was it? I think it was Hayes. I think it was Rutherford B. Hayes. Rutherford Hayes. Either way. <laughs> So between 1975 and 1979, however, the inn was acquired by the state of Oregon and restored. Wolf Creek Tavern is listed in the National Register of Historic Places. Besides weary travelers, the stately guest house is also placed host to a variety of hauntings. The haunted tales have even caught the attention of amateur ghost hunters. According to Sama, a man known as Jack London loved the inn so much that he had stuck around even after his death in 1916. 
See, now that little blurb suggests that someone didn't know who Jack London was. Yeah. No one knows Jack London. Like, like no, no, no. <laughs> that, that's a name right there. Past guests have reported encountering London's apparition in a room where he once slept. Guests have heard his disembodied voice at the end. London was said to have loved the inn so much that he even had spent an entire summer there with his second wife. During this time, that's when he finished the novel The Valley of the Moon. Let's see here. So, nowadays, yeah, it was Rosford B. Hayes, by the way. So, modern times, the amenities have changed. They have climate-controlled rooms. They have Wi-Fi. They have all of your up-to-date amenities, including an electronic vehicle charging station. Uh, and to My be fair, come. anybody in the Northwest that wants to go somewhere and not leave their dog, they are a pet-friendly inn. So they better be. They also have a white family out there. Also, to be fair, there are only nine rooms, so it's not like I a super huge place. It's just... It's literally what you would think of is, look, we play D&D, so it's, what do you think of this Saturn back in the day? I love that. Wonder what old Jack would think of those car charging stations. So it does offer meals all day long. The uh, Inn's Tavern specializes in comfort food classics such as meatloaf, I am in. chicken fried steak, fish and chips, breakfasts with three egg omelets, homemade biscuits and gravy, and burritos stuffed with eggs, potatoes, and smoke, uh, half-smoked brisket. The, it, oh, the tavern portion is open from Thursday through Sunday year-round. Cool. So, if you're curious, and that sounds like delicious food to you, like it does to me, I don't know if it's 3,800 miles delicious, but I might try it. If I ever make my way to the Northwest, I will I'll swing by. If I'm ever within 100 miles or so, chances are good I'm going to stop. So, while the stage churches no longer pull up to the end doors, it remains a convenient stop for those traveling to the, to the outdoors of southern Oregon. Fishers, hikers, and visitors planning to go skiing, golfing, snowmobiling, or ziplining, they're all within a convenient drive. Wine lovers can sample Rogue Valley's world-class wines on a wine-tasting excursion that's just a handful of miles from the end. And if you are into the paranormal, it seems only fitting that the Golden State Heritage Site, which is a ghost town, sits just three miles east of the end. It is a mining town that grew out of a camp established in 1850. It eventually included two churches, no pubs, a schoolhouse, for around 100 of the miners back in the day. And that's also on the National Place of Historic Registers. I love how they had to say no pubs. No pub. Well, I mean, I feel like that's probably was a rarity in like the 1850s. Mm-hmm. Especially amongst miners. Like, it's not really like the cleanest or safest of jobs. So I got know. that. I got that. So, you know, so that's uh, ghostly apparitions, flickering lights, unexplained voices, moving objects, and other spine tingling events. One guest heard a young lady's voice when there was no one else in the building. Others have heard doors slamming and the sound of a piano playing. That seems to be a theme tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Others have seen chairs seemingly move on their own. Objects disappear from tabletops. And in the kitchen, the staff have allegedly seen a particular baking pan flying across the floor on multiple occasions. It's just one in particular. Uh, I feel like it's probably one specific baking pan. Oh, it's just it's got blue flowers and I hate it. So I'm um, chuck it. <laughs> The only other thing that I found on a different website, which I would like to mention, 
is the Wolf Freakin has a one truly freaky report of a vampire-like creature complete with fangs and blood on its mouth. Various explanations exist, such as a spirit from the woods, a mythological beast like Bigfoot, or even the ghost of a mentally disturbed person who wishes to be seen as a monster. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Which, stay tuned, because we have questions about that. I do. I and do. somebody who sees and talks to spirits seems to be a very good person to ask on whether or not a spirit, uh, can, a spirit change can change its form. Appear. Yeah, I need to know about that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you said that earlier, immediately I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, huh? But that's the story of the Wolf Creek Tavern. Well, nowadays referred to as the Wolf Creek Inn, but... The Wolf Creek Inn, yes. Now, the Wolf Creek Tavern in Norton, Ohio, definitely a fun fun place to be. And I do, in fact, have a couple of EVPs up from when we did... It was actually just a daytime walkthrough. We were just kind of chilling. Yeah, Um, very early afternoon before the uh, sky even got dark. Yeah, yeah. Got some pretty good little EVPs, actually, like the one with Joe very, very candidly asks, is, is anyone in the shitter? <laughs> you literally have an EVP that says, yeah, I'm taking shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's fun. So, yeah, extremely awesome. Well, I'm excited. I think Oregon had a lot of really good stuff. The amount of cryptids I saw in Oregon was kind of ridiculous as well, but I chose to stick with like that's a very Pacific Northwest kind of thing. It is. It is. And I'm not even talking Bigfoot. I mean, obviously, I obviously Pacific Northwest is known for Bigfoot. But yeah, I mean, I'm talking all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. So maybe we'll maybe we'll discuss some of that later on. Perhaps, like, look, I'm not opposed to it at all. Yeah, so. right. Uh, all right. Well, that's all we've got for Oregon, guys and gals. I want to thank you so very much for coming along on this journey. Don't forget that you can find us on Facebook.com at No Lights Paranormal, No Lights Para on X. You can email us at No Lights Paranormal at gmail.com. What else? What else? We want to know all of your stories. Seriously. Use the email, nolightsparanormal at gmail.com. I want to hear all about the places you've been or the places that you want to go or places you want to hear us talk about or places you want us to go. Yeah, so what I will touch on just a little bit, as you can see by us attempting to get names such as, you know, Rob or Cindy Kaza, for instance, like we're trying to get you guys, get interesting people for you guys. Out. I, I mean, mean certainly it's super interesting to me, but like, you know, we're trying to get more interesting people for you guys to hear. Some of it is really because it's interesting for me. But yes, I want you guys to have fun. I want the paranormal community to know that, you know, you're all in good hands and that we can all be part of one big community. Right. But also, what I was getting at is like, our round tables don't have to be famous people. Okay. No. If you shoot us a message and you just have a paranormal topic that you just want to freaking discuss, let's do it. We will Discord you in. Well, we can make a round table with a normal Joe just as much as anybody else. Uh, agreed. Um, when we already have a Joe, maybe we should say a normal Bob. Normal Nancy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was just taking the N words at that point. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out. No offense to anybody named Nancy. I just, yeah. That's okay. Nancy's a normal. <laughs> Nancy's can be normal. It's true. 
Yeah. We want to we want to talk to you. We want to hear from you. Some of our listeners from out of the country. Holy crap! Say hello, please. We really want to hear about the stuff you got going on over oh, there. Oh no, kidding! Like if we oh, if goodness. we had a listener from like look, we've we've been countries, right? So like our countries, we've got India, Australia, Mexico, Norway, Russia. We have a guy from Russia, the coolest or girl. I don't know if they're. I'm not. I do not fair. Yeah. The Netherlands, the Philippines, Canada, Germany, Zambia, right? Thailand. Like, we, we want to hear about like hauntings over there. So, like, when you guys want to jump at our Discord server at some point and just do a little round table, Sorry. I there's wanna... plenty of people here in the US that would like to hear your story. I want to know what haunted Thailand looks like. Yeah. Because I. I haven't been there. And chances are good I'm not going to get Chances are good that I'm never going to have like a $2,000 plane ticket to go to Thailand. Well, by the time you fly, you and I and our and son. Everybody over. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a day. 10 grand in flights. Like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day, but I don't know. Look to not saying you're not worth it. I'm just. Now we're ranting. I love you guys. I'm going to let you go. Thank you for listening. You're awesome. Thank you so much. In front of you. Listeners and Joe, because I know you're also listening. Hi, Roger. <laughs> uh, next week, we will be talking about Pennsylvania. PA. The state close enough that we could literally spit on it. I've stayed tonight in PA. I think we all have. It's fair. Yeah. By the way, again, we love you. We've talked. You've listened. <laughs> Pennsylvania, we're coming for you. Pennsylvania, we're coming for you. Don't fuck with Bobby Yaga. No. Have a good night, folks. Later.